0: Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. But before I do that, just like every other week, if you could, please subscribe to wherever you are listening to this uh, podcast from, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you're listening to it. And if you could, please leave a review of this uh, podcast that'll be great because again when you do that it does alert the algorithms and put me into everybody's algorithms whether they listen to the news or they listen to professional wrestling because I do uh, the news on Sunday and wrestling on Saturday but with that all taken care of let's get on with the show Monday Night Raw Raw will open up with a tag team matchup of AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler going against the Judgment Days Finn Balor Damian Priest with Rhea Ripley in their corner. Damian Priest would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the South of Heaven, which is a choke slam on Dolph Ziggler for the win. During the match there was a moment where AJ Styles could have hit Finn Bálor when he was on the ring apron and Finn didn't see AJ but AJ didn't and the commentators kind of played up on that again. AJ and Finn, they only had one match in their whole entire career against one another and they're both known for being bullet club guys and they had a brief uh moment in WWE as them teaming up with each other as they were going against the original Judgment Day of Edge and Damian Priest before Finn did join. So again, they played up to that on commentary, so we might get something with AJ and Finn later down the line. It doesn't say now, but with WWE, at least with this current creative now, little things like that will be coming into play later down the line. But with that moment being out of the way, uh, Judgment Day would get the win. After the match, as the Judgment Day would walk up the ramp, they will look at the Titan Tron, which is a big screen, and they will see a vehicle drive into the arena. When the driver door will open up, it will be Edge. Edge will walk out of the vehicle and start walking into the arena. Uh, seeing this, the Judgment Day would walk back into the ring, and they will call out Edge. Edge will come out, stand on the ramp, and Edge will say that he beat Damien Priest last week, and they're standing in the ring being angry. Edge will get on the ring apron and say that The Judgment Day didn't learn anything from him in those months that they were with him, and he tells him that he didn't come alone, and that's when the Mysterios, Rey and Dominic, will slide into the ring, and they will be holding kendo sticks and hitting Finn Balor and Damian Priest with the kendo sticks. Damian Priest and Finn will go out of the ring, and Rey and Edge will continue attacking both Finn and Damian Priest, leaving Dominic Mysterio in the ring with Rhea Ripley. Dominic would still have his Kindle Stick in hand, and Rhea Ripley would tell Dominic to put the Kindle Stick down, but Dom would keep it close to him just in case Rhea would try to attack him, and it would look like he would try and almost hit Rhea, but he doesn't, and he would eventually hand over the Kindle Stick to Rhea after Rhea extended her hand out. Once he does this, Edge and Rey Mysterio would run back into the ring and stand next to Dominic as Rhea would... Tell them to come closer as she was prepared to hit uh Ray and Edge with the Kindle Stick. But Damien Priest and Finn Balor would grab Rhea out of the ring and walk through the crowd. It was announced later in the night that at Clash at the Castle, it will be Edge and Rey Mysterio going against Finn and Damien Priest. I thought last week we were gonna get a six person tag of Beth, Phoenix, Edge and Ray going against the Judgment Day, but that's not happening. Uh after this we would get a six woman tag team matchup. Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair going against uh, three independent wrestlers. Uh, Their names are Danny Moe, Kay Sparks, and Katie Ark. Asuka would win the match for her team by submission when Asuka will lock in a modified octopus lock, which they're now calling the Asuka Lock on Danny Moe for the win. After the match, Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka will get a mic and say that at Clash of the Castle... Bailey, Dakota, and EO are going to lose them. So again, this was just a match to get them into uh not gonna say ring shape because they've been wrestling every week, but just get some momentum on that team side as they're going against Bailey, Dakota, and EO uh at Clash of the Castle. After this, we will get Kurt Angle coming down to the ring. And since Raw's in Pittsburgh, Kurt will get the hometown crowd love and admiration. They will even do the You Suck chant. And everybody might say, well, how does a You Suck chant uh, show people love and admiration? For Kurt Angle, it's a love and admiration thing. Kurt Angle doesn't take himself uh, so seriously in the wrestling world. So when the whole You Suck thing came around in 2002, at first he hated it, but he came around and started loving hearing the fans say You Suck to him. So it's a chant of endearment. Uh, Kurt will be out here to uh, prop up and try to get fans to uh, be excited for the Clash at the Castle, a premium live event, but the Alpha Academy will come out to interrupt Kurt Angle. Uh, Chad Gable would say that Kurt is a hero of his, even when he went to the Olympics, and Chad Gable did go to the Olympics, he looked up to Kurt Angle. Uh, Chad will say that he wants to recruit Kurt to join the Alpha Academy, and in the process of trying to recruit Kurt Angle, he would badmouth Pittsburgh, and again, Kurt Angle's from Pittsburgh, And Otis would hand Kurt Angle an Alpha Academy jacket, but Kurt would turn down the offer, throwing the jacket down. Chad would ask Kurt, is this real? Kurt would say, it's real, it's damn. But as soon as he's about to get to his damn real, he would get shushed by Chad Gable. Then Kurt would shush Chad Gable back, and now we would get a shush off between both Chad and Kurt Angle. Chad would try to get Otis to attack Kurt Angle, but the Street Profits music would hit. They would run to the ring to make the save. Montez Ford would challenge the Alpha Academy to a tag match, but Chad Gable would say that he has a condition to accepting this match. He says that when they win, Kurt Angle would join the Alpha Academy and does everything Chad tells him to do. Montez and Kurt would accept that challenge, so we would get a tag match on the way, and Kurt Angle would be watching this tag match at ringside. Montez would win the match for his team by pinfall when Dawkins would pounce Gable into Montez, and Montez will hit a back suplex, then go to the top turnbuckle, and hit a frog splash for the win. There was an incredible moment towards the end of the match where Otis was outside of the ring, starting to walk up on Kurt Angle, and it's trying to do the intimidation factor, but you would see Dawkins just run up and pounce Otis across the commentary table, and again, I'd just rather say just give Montez, not Montez, but Angelo the pounce as like a signature or finisher that he could just use at any moment to win a match and it's believable because he's done it enough now that i believe that people would accept him like literally taking over the pounce as a finish after the match the prophets would give kurt angle a red cup one of their signature red cups and they would do a cheers and have a drink kurt would spit the drink out of his mouth and tell the prophets to hold on as he went to grab milk bottles kurt would give uh, the prophets each a milk bottle, and they would cheers and drink some milk, so again, this was a nice moment for Kurt Angle to have in front of the Raw crowd, and it's a nice moment to see Kurt Angle in front of the Raw crowd, and also, Kurt's getting, like, back in, like, shape, shape, there's a thing where you start to see all these WWE legends, and they're starting to get an excellent ring shape compared to, like, the past old-timey, if you go back to some 2005, 2006 Raw episodes in, like, the Legends of the 80s coming back to Raw, you will see them not in the best shape, walking, like, decrepit and all this type of stuff, but now you see, like, the Attitude Era uh, wrestlers, Kurt Angle, Edge, Trish Stratus, I mean, they are in physical, uh, phenomenal shape, and that just tells you that modern medicine and also getting yourself together to make sure you at least are taken care of right by the WWE, and I think WWE does that with these uh, legends It's good to see them not just walking decrepit, but actually looking in good physical condition. I just wanted to side note that. Uh, After this, we would get Corey Graves interviewing Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. Uh, This interview happens because earlier in the day, uh, Seth and Riddle would meet in the parking lot. And you will see those two come towards each other and it looks like they're about to get into something but the refs and the officials would step in between them and separate them before anything can like drastically happen. Seth will say that Riddle is obsessed with him and that at Cardiff, he's going to stomp Riddle into the mat and then after he's done focusing on Riddle, he could put all of his attention back on the Undisputed Universal Championship and there's nothing Riddle can do about it. Riddle would take a personal shot at Rollins and say that at Cardiff, he's going to show everybody that the only man in Seth's family is Becky Lynch. So, we would think that would be the last that we hear of Seth and Riddle, but we would go to commercial break, and then when we come back, we see the commentators, uh, Corey Graves, Jimmy Smith, and Byron Saxton, and they say, during commercial break, the cameras were still rolling, and we would get uh, footage of Seth and Riddle continuously talking to each other, and here's the audio from that. We talk about my family, man. Let's talk about your family. Oh, well, you ain't got one, because your wife divorced you and took your kids, and they don't want to see your bitch ass anymore, huh?
1: What did you just say? Yeah, you heard me. Where are you? You heard me, you? bitch. Where are you? I'm here. Come find Where, me. Dude, you don't get I'm not going to beat you up. I'm oh, going to oh, f you oh, up, bro. Where oh, the oh, f oh, are you? Oh, Where right, are on. you? Come find me, Where is he? Me, Where on. are you? Dude, <laughs> you don't get I'm going to smash your face oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Keep playing games, bro. Keep playing games. I'm
0: going to fuck you up. Now, as you heard, Riddle was upset at Seth. He wants to get at Seth so bad to the point that now he doesn't just care about winning the match. He wants to brutalize Seth Rollins. And for the people that don't know this, let me just give you guys a little back story here on this one. Another side note. Uh, Seth and Riddle played into a controversial thing that Daniel Cormier and John Jones did to hype up their match. Well, their first UFC fight that they did some time ago, whenever uh they had a interview on ESPN, and again this is one of those situations where they thought the cameras were off, and John Jones and Daniel Cormier just start uh spitting like offensive, just bad terms to each other because they really wanted to hurt each other. So that's what WWE's playing into with Riddle and Seth right here. They're playing into that. Uh, Daniel Cormier, John Jones needs to hype up this match between. Riddle, and Rawls to make people really buy into Clash at the Castle. It's already going to be a good match, but just having this one moment adds more flair to it. So, that's what that was about. After this, we would get Bobby Lashley versus The Miz with Champa in this corner. Earlier in the night, and constantly through the night before this match happened, you would get backstage vignettes of The Miz walking into the arena, uh, interviewer asked Miz about last week with Dexter Loomis abducting him. Miz is not trying to talk about it. He's trying to forget all about this. Miz is in his locker room. Adam Pierce comes up to him and say Dexter Loomis has been uh, released from the prison because Miz isn't going to cooperate. He's not giving any type of information to help the police with their case against Dexter, so they had to let him go. Miz is not trying to talk about anything what happened with Dexter Loomis abducting him, so he's trying to just Put that in his rear view as he's focusing on his match with Bobby. So we get to the match. And Bobby would win the match by submission thanks to a distraction from Dexter Loomis. When Miz had Bobby in position to hit the Skull Crushing finale, Miz would look into the audience and he would see Dexter Loomis standing in the stands. Ciampa would yell at Miz to finish the job, but Miz would tell Ciampa to look at the stands. Ciampa wouldn't look at it. Miz would tell Ciampa constantly, look at the stands, look at the stands. Champa will look and Dexter was gone at this moment, and this would lead to Bobby capitalizing and locking in the hurt lock on the Miz, and the Miz would tap out. Later in the night, as the Miz would leave the arena and he would go to his car, you will see Champa follow him, and Champa would tell Miz that he doesn't need to drive by himself because everybody thinks Miz is paranoid. Miz would assure Champa that he's okay and that he can go in the car by himself and leave, and that's what Miz would do. He would get in his car throw his bag in, crack of the car, leave. And as the Miz is driving off, we see Dexter Loomis hiding in the trunk of the Miz's car. So we'll probably get more detail on that at next week's Monday Night Raw. After this, we would go backstage and we see Kurt in the Mysterious locker room and we see Edge walk up on Kurt with some pictures on a poster board. Kurt will look at Edge with hesitation because back in 2002, Edge gave Kurt pictures on a poster board and had writing on the back of them saying that Kurt sucks. Kurt would tell Edge that he isn't going to fall for this again. Kurt would grab the first post of board and turn it around, and nothing's written on the back of it. So Kurt would drop his guards and start looking at the photos. Not knowing, Edge pulled the same trick again on Kurt. Kurt wouldn't realize it until he walked up to Ray and Dominic with the last picture and showed them the picture, and then once he turned it around, and on the back of it, it said, you still suck. Kurt would walk away and we would see Dom and Ray talk. And Dominic would tell Ray that he thought that Clash of the Castle was going to be a family thing. Him teaming with Ray. Ray told Dom that he needs Edge because Edge has experience on the side and it's still a family thing. Because Edge is like family, but he also needs Dom at ringside. Dom would understand and he would dap up Ray and... That's it for that, but you will see hesitation in Dominic's face, so we might get some type of shenanigan at Clash of the Castle with Dom probably messing up the match for Ray and Edge, but we'll have to see at Clash of the Castle. After this, the Usos and Sami Zayn will come down to the ring. They're here to hype up Roman's two-year uh, reign as champion on SmackDown. They also mentioned that the Bloodline run both shows since they hold both sets of tag belts. Uh, Kevin Owens will come out and tell them that the Bloodline don't run both shows and that Raw is still the Kevin Owens show. And also, Roman still owes someone. Jay will then look at Sammy Zane and ask Sammy, is Kevin Owens your boy? Sammy will say, yeah. Jay will tell Sammy that he needs to get Kevin Owens before he does. Sammy will try to keep the peace and tell Kevin Owens to go to the back, but he will also tell Kevin Owens that Roman doesn't owe anyone anything that's the exact same message that roman told sammy to tell kevin owens two weeks ago uh kevin owens will look at sammy and say that it's sad to see sammy out here being a bloodline clown and kevin owens will tell sammy that he is one of the greatest performers of all time and he still considers him a friend of his sammy will say that kevin owens is like everybody else thinking that the bloodline doesn't respect him Sammy would say that Jimmy likes him and Sammy and Jimmy would then do their handshake in the middle of the ring. He would look at Jay and say that we're working on it with him and Jay. And he said, most importantly, Roman Reigns likes him. Jay would tell Kevin Owens to go to the back before they leave him laying like they did Drew on SmackDown. Kevin Owens would then get into the ring, tell Jay that he hasn't forgot that it was him and Paul Heyman that stopped him from taking the championship away from Roman 18 months ago. Sammy again will try to tell Kevin Owens that he's trying to keep the peace here and wants him to go to the back before anything happens to him. Jay will grab Sammy to pull him to a side and get into Kevin Owens' face. Kevin Owens will say that this is the moment where we put the mics down and get a ref out here to fight. So that's what happens. Kevin Owens has a match with uh, Jay Uso with Jimmy and Sammy on Jay's corner. Kevin Owens would win the match by pinfall when Kevin Owens will go outside of the ring, grab Jay. And it looks like he's about to powerbomb him. But Kevin Owens looks at Sammy and walks towards Sammy. And Kevin Owens will tell Sammy to hit him if he means it. This would allow Jay to hit a suicida onto Kevin Owens, which is a suicide dive. Jay would then get Jimmy and Sammy into a huddle. And you will see Jay tell Sammy to get a steel chair. Sammy will hesitate, but Jay would tell him to get a steel chair. Sammy would get a chair Jimmy would distract the referee. Jay had Kevin Owens in the middle of the ring, and Jay would tell Sammy to hit Kevin Owens with the chair. Sammy would hesitate to hit Kevin Owens. Jay would let go of Kevin Owens and look at Sammy. Jimmy would walk over to Sammy and ask why he didn't hit Kevin Owens with the chair. This would lead to Kevin Owens hitting Jay Uso with a stunner. Cover him for the win. So, again, we're building up the tension for the Usos to look at Sammy and question his loyalty and more or less, we're still building to Kevin Owens being the guy to pull Sami Zayn out of the blow line. So that's the story we're still running with here. Now it's time for the main event of Monday Night Raw. The finals for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament. It's Dakota Kai and Io Sky with Bailey in their corner going against Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. Aaliyah and Raquel would win the match by pinfall when Io would hit Raquel with a moonsault and Raquel would kick out of the pin. Bailey would get on the ring apron, this would lead to Bianca, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss to run down to the ring and run Bailey off. This would distract Io and Dakota and they would miss Aaliyah tagging herself in and Aaliyah would drop to the outside of the ring. Dakota and Io would do some more damage to Raquel, then Aaliyah would rush into the ring, roll up Dakota Kai for the win, and now we have new WWE Women Tag Team Champions of Aaliyah and Raquel. After the match, Bianca, Asuka, and Alexa would get in the ring to celebrate with Raquel and Aaliyah as Pyro would go off on the stage as Bayley, Dakota, and Io would be watching on the ring apron. Not the ring apron, but the ramp watching the new champions celebrate with the championships. The fans online weren't happy about it. They thought that the wrong team won. Personally, you know what? I'm not mad at it aaliyah and raquel to get the win if i'm going to be truly honest with you because this was a team that i don't think nobody suspected to win but they did so i'm not mad i just gotta see how the story plays up so again that is your raw wrestling highlights of the week now off to nxt things to note there will be multiple former nxt champions making an appearance to speak with the current nxt champions and they would tell the current NXT champions that they need to win their championship so they can continue on the legacy of the current championship that they're holding. For example, Finn would talk to Braun Breaker earlier in the night and tell him that he needs to win the championship at World's Collide to continue the legacy of the NXT championship. Follow up with later, you'll see Champa walking up on Braun Breaker and telling him the exact same thing. Sayna Baszler will talk to Mandy Rose and tell her that she needs to win NXT NXT uh, Women's Championship, will retain it at Worlds Collide to continue her legacy and make sure that she is still the NXT Women's Champion. Butch would FaceTime Tyler Bate, and you will see later in the night the Intercontinental Champion, Gunther, talk to Tyler Bate. Both Butch and Gunther are former uh, NXT UK champions. That's the belt that Tyler Bate's holding. Alba Fire will walk up to... Miko Satamora. And that is a former NXT UK champion, women's champion, talking to the current NXT UK women's champion. As a matter of fact, Alba Fire lost the belt to Miko uh, Satamora. Rhea Ripley will talk to Blair Davenport. That's the only person. Blair is not a champion right now, but she has the opportunity to win the NXT women's championship. And Rhea Ripley was giving her advice as saying, hey, I've won both titles before, I've held both brands, uh, women's division on my shoulders, and you have the opportunity to do that at Worlds Collide, so don't screw it up. So again, this was all building up to giving pep talks to people in, in important matches at Worlds Collide. Now on to the matches that happened at NXT. First match of the night will be Grayson Waller going against Apollo Crews. Grayson Waller would win the match by pinfall when he would go for his rolling stunner, but Apollo would catch him in midair, but Waller would poke Apollo in the eye and hit him with the stunner for the win. Apollo already had some problems with his eye earlier in the night when him and Waller were uh, wrestling, and then he accidentally got thumb poked in the eye. This time Waller meant it for real towards the end. So Waller got a win, but by cheap uh, situation to get it. After this, we would get Kaden Carter and Katana Chance, the NXT women Tag Team Champions, going against Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley of Diamond Mind. Kaden and Katana would win the match by pinfall thanks to toxic attractions Gigi Dolan and J.C. Jane sticking their nose in this match when Tatum was going to tag Ivy, but Gigi would pull Ivy off the ring apron and Ivy would give chase to Gigi. J.C. would then get on the ring apron and Tatum would kick uh, J.C. off the ring apron, leading to Kaden and Katana to grabbing Tatum and hitting her with their tag finish, which is a neckbreaker 450 splash combo for the win. After the match, Kaden and Katana would get on the mic and say that they have beaten all the women tag teams in NXT. So on Sunday, they will be having a party in the parking lot. Then Dude drops music would hit and Dewdrop would come out, Nikki A.S.H. would follow her, and they would enter the ring, and they would challenge Kaden and Katana to a match at World's Collide for the NXT Women Tag Team Championships, and the champions would accept, so we have that match now added onto the World's Collide match card. After this, we will have Schism, which is Joe Gacy's group of Joe Gacy and the Dyad, formerly known as the Grizzly Young Veterans, coming out here to try and recruit Cameron Grimes to join them. Joe would say that last week, the Dyad defeated Legato del Fantasma, and they proved that following his teachings has led them on the winning path. Joe would give the Dyad a smiley face button on both of them so they can attach it onto their shirts. Joe would call for Cameron Grimes to come out and follow in the footsteps of the Dyad. Cameron Grimes would come out, Get in the ring. Cameron would say that the last few weeks. Schism has been following him. Asking him to join them. And he finally has an answer for them. Cameron would say that he doesn't need them. And Joe would say that. Cameron says that. But deep down inside. Cameron Grimes is wearing a mask. To mask his disappointment. That he has lost. The NXT North American Championship. And that he lost to Braun Breaker. Cameron would say that yeah. He did lose the North American championship and that he did lose to Brown Breaker, but he got himself in those situations and that he can do it again. Cameron would say that he is going to leave the ring before anything gets out of hand. And as he's doing this, Joe would say another night without a championship, another man without a family or father. That comment about the father would trigger something in Cameron and Cameron would get back in the ring, and he's trying to punch Joe Gacy, but the Dyad would leap in front of the punch for Gacy, and now you see Cameron Grimes beating up both members of the Dyad, uh, throwing them outside of the ring. Joe would be in the perfect opportunity to hit his uh, handspring lariat onto Cameron, but instead of hitting him with the lariat, he would stand in front of Cameron and just hug Cameron Grimes. With that happening, you would see the Dyad get back in the ring, and they wanted to attack Cameron at that moment, but Joe Gacy would stop them. And now you have the Dyad and Joe Gacy staring at Cameron Grimes. Grimes has his fists up, ready for any type of attack to happen. But Cameron Grimes just leaves out of the ring. And then you would see the Joe and the Dyad have their arms out, like in a hugging motion, still offering Cameron Grimes a spot in Schism. So again, we're still leading on this, uh, I'm not going to say cult group that Joe Gacy got, but technically it is kind of a cult-ish deal. And we still haven't seen where this is leading. It might lead to a match with Joe Gacy and Cameron Grimes. If Cameron Grimes loses, he might have a joint schism. I would say that's where we should be going with this, but they haven't announced it yet. But I do think we are getting a match between Cameron Grimes and Joe Gacy somewhere down the line with this. After this, we will have a six-person tag matchup. The NXT UK Tag Team Champions Briggs and Jensen and Fallon Henley going against Pretty Deadly and Lash Legend. Lash and Pretty Deadly would win the match by pinfall thanks to Gallus coming out to distract Josh Briggs. Security would try to stop Gallus from getting to the ring, but Briggs would jump across security and get at Gallus. Now you have security trying to keep this mayhem under control. But they would miss Joe Coffey making his way to the ring and hitting Brooks Jensen with his boot. And this would allow Kit Wilson of Pretty Deadly to roll up Jensen for the win. After the match, Gallus would get in the ring and attack Jensen and Briggs. Pretty Deadly would join in and attack Wick Gallus and they would attack Briggs and Jensen. Security would come in and try to get all these guys under control. And then that's where this will end off. After this, we will get a matchup between Andre Chase with Thea Hale and Bodie Hayward in his corner going against Charlie Dempsey. Andre Chase would win the match by pinfall when Charlie would have Andre in an STF submission and Andre was close to the bottom rope. And Bodie Hayward would be cheering on Andre and Charlie would see this, he would kick Bodie in the face and then Charlie would leave the ring and go after Bodie. Charlie would hit Bodhi with a gut wrench suplex, then get back in the ring where Andre would get Charlie in a leg roll-up for the win. So I can still see Charlie coming back next week to probably get at Andre Chase. Again, we're introducing NXT UK guys onto the NXT American roster because, again, NXT UK is kind of folding. It's going to be under a uh, remodeling situation and is going to be reintroduced back as NXT Europe in 2023. So we're trying to get as much UK talent over to the American NXT roster and try to get them used to the American uh, audience here. After this, we have Zoe Starks go against Kiana James. Zoe would win the match by pinfall when Zoe would hit Kiana with her finish, which is a Tilt a World knee to the face for the win. After the match, Kiana would look to hit Zoe in the back with her pocketbook, but Nikita Lyons would get in the ring and spear Kiana James. Kiana would get up and Nikita would throw a roundhouse kick, but Kiana would duck it and leave the ring. Kiana and Nikita has some beef, and they still do now because they had a match. Nikita won, and after the match, Kiana would hit Nikita in the back with her pocketbook. So Nikita Lyons was out here to protect her tag partner. Zoe starts to make sure she didn't get attacked from behind. So again, Kiana James is one of the new NXT women on the roster, trying to make a name for herself. And I see that we're probably going to add one more person adding on with Kiana James. It'll probably be, uh, Ariana Grace, probably joining Kiana James. Cause I can see her being a person that wants to build up her rep, in the NXT women's division. If they want to add her there, I don't know who else besides her could join in Ke- join in with Kiana to go after Zoe and uh, Nikita, but I'll just have to wait to see. Uh, the main event match of NXT was a six-man tag matchup of Gallus, of Joe Coffey, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang going against Diamond Mine, the Kree brothers, and Damon Kemp. No Roderick Strong, because earlier in the night... Uh, Julius Creed of Diamond Mine told Roddy that he needs to stay in the back. He doesn't want him out there because he doesn't trust him. And you had both Brutus and Damon agree with Julius. So that's where Roddy would stay until towards the end of the match. When Damon had Mark Coffey on the shoulder. And Damon would see Roderick Strong make his way down to the ring and have his phone in hand. And Roddy is trying to show Damon video footage of him not... Working against the diamond mine, Damon will grab Roddy's phone, and say that no one wants to see this. And he throws the phone down and steps on it. Damon will tell security to get Roddy out of here. Damon will get back in the rings, hit a spinebuster on Mark Coffee, throw Wolfgang out of the ring. But Joe Coffee would connect with a discus lariat onto Damon for the win. So Wolfgang and Mark Coffee and Joe Coffey Gallus will get the win by pinfall. After the match, Pretty Deadly would get in the ring and attack Diamond Mine. Now you got Gallus joining in with Pretty Deadly attacking Diamond Mine. Then you get Briggs and Jensen coming down to attack Gallus. Security would come in to try to separate everyone, but they couldn't do it. So the NXT locker room would come down to try to get everybody underway, but it was too much mayhem going on and we would just go to commercial. And when we come back, we would get announced that at Worlds Collide, it would be a Fatal 4-Way NXT Tag Team Title Unification matchup of Pretty Deadly going against Gallus, going against the NXT UK Tag Champions, Briggs and Jensen, going against the NXT Champions, Diamond Mines, Cree Brothers. So that was already known by everybody. I think everybody knew where it was all leading up to for these past weeks, but they just officially announced it tonight. Now for the main segment, you have Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams coming down to the ring. Carmelo Hayes is upset because he isn't on the World's Collide uh, event. He says that nobody wants to face him. And he says that all this talks about unifying championships, he's already did that eight months ago, referring to whenever he beat Roderick Strong to unify the Cruiserweight Championship and the North American Championship. Melo would say, you know what? I'm not going to defend my championship at Worlds Clyde because I'm the greatest North American champion there ever was. And there is no one on my level or even below me. So that's when the lights will go out and we will hear Ricochet's music hit. And Ricochet will come down to the ring. Ricochet will get the whole uh, crowd acceptance because Ricochet used to be in NXT during the golden era of NXT where you had independent guys just in there just killing it every single week and having their takeover events. Uh, Ricochet would come down to the ring and say that he doesn't see why at Worlds Collide it's just NXT UK and NXT. Why don't we add some SmackDown to it and I'll challenge you for the NXT North American Championship. Mello would accept the challenge but he will say that Ricochet is just going to be like every other guy that came before him. And he's going to get stepped on because nobody is as great as Carmelo Hayes. Ricochet would applaud Carmelo for defending the championship for as much as he has. But he would say that, you know what? You've had multiple defenses, but nobody remembers those matches. Nobody remembers them. But at World's Collide, I'm going to give them something to remember. So Trick would try to go after Ricochet and attack him. But Ricochet would kick Trick in the head. And then you would see Carmelo try to hit his uh, springboard clothesline onto Ricochet. But Ricochet would basically catch him with the code breaker, leaving Carmelo on the mat, holding his face. As Ricochet would go over to the North American Championship, grab it, hold it up in the air, walk over to Carmelo, and just drop the North American Championship him. So, at Worlds Collide, we will be getting Ricochet going against Carmelo Hayes for the North American Championship. And before this episode is over with, I will be giving my prediction for all the events that will be happening this weekend. Uh, Worlds Collide, All Out, and Clash of the Castle. But with that, that is your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to AEW Dynamite, but before I get into Dynamite, um, there are some notes to clarify for this episode. On Dynamite this episode, it was announced that at All Out, we will be getting Pac defending the All-Atlantic Championship against Kip Sabian. Also, at All Out, we will be getting Miro, Sting, and Darby Allin going against the House of Black. Also, we will be getting the competitors who will be competing in the casino ladder match at All Out. We will get seven other named competitors. It was Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Phoenix, Penta, Andrade El Idolo, Roosh, Dante Martin, and the mystery component. Uh, he will not be announced. You more or less will see who it is at the All Out Pay-Per-View. Now, with that being said, let's start off with Dynamite. Dynamite will open up with John Moxley walking to the ring. He gets uh, fans love him. The fans are cheering for Moxley. But once the music cuts off, you start hearing the fans booing Moxley. And you hear some fans cheering for Moxley. We are in Chicago. AEW's in Chicago for Dynamite and Rampage and All Out. So this whole thing is literally in Chicago. And Moxley can feel that he's in punk territory here. So Moxley just dives right in. Moxley will say that punk is still probably being mopped up right now in Cleveland. For those that don't know, Cleveland was the place that Moxley beat punk last week. Um, Mox will say that when people get in the ring with him... He is the heart and soul of AEW and they find out what they're truly made of. And Punk isn't made of much. Mox will say that when he was in the ring with Punk, he knew that Punk was looking for a way out. And that's when Punk folded. And that's the reason why Punk is not your AEW undisputed champion. Mox would then move on to all out business and he will pull out an all out contract. Mox will say that he has an open contract to face anybody. He says that he already signed it and Mox would put the contract down in the middle of the ring. He says, anybody could come out here and grab this contract, whether you're from AEW, New Japan, or anywhere. Mox will give a warning to anybody that might take the contract and let them know that they will be facing a fire-breathing dragon. Basically, somebody that's here to defend all uh, elite wrestling and also the world championship. Mox would leave the ring and the contract would still be in the ring. Nobody would come down to uh, take that contract except for a steal. A Steel is the best friend of CM Punk, who is also a backstage like official for AEW. And A Steel will come down to the ring, pick up the contract, put it in his back pocket, and start walking to the back. We will get more on that later in the show. After this, we will go backstage where Chris Jericho will be interviewed, and he will be interrupted by Dale Garcia. Daniel Garcia would. Tell Jericho that he wanted to apologize to Jericho about his actions last week and let Jericho know that he is loyal to the Jericho Appreciation Society. And he knows that Jericho is going to beat Brian Danielson at all out because he doesn't need nobody to jump Brian or try to hit Brian with a cheap shot because Chris Jericho will be the absolute best and he's going to beat Brian Danielson straight up. Jericho would appreciate what Dale Garcia says, but he would give a fair warning to Brian Danielson. It says that he needs to watch his back and he needs to watch himself tonight because all is fair in wrestling and romance, which is if you break it down and you abbreviate it war. And that's also a nice little. Uh, if you are a wrestling historian, you know exactly war was a uh, Japanese promotion that Chris Jericho was in. Like, before he got big-time well-named, so that was Chris Jericho giving a little shout-out to his old promotion there that he was in. Uh, we'll go to our first match tonight. Brian Danielson going against Jay Hager. William Regal and Chris Jericho will be on commentary for this matchup. Brian would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the Paseco knee on Hager for the win, or better known as the Yes Knee, running knee to the face. Uh, after the match 2.0 would run down to the ring and attack Brian but Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta would run down to the ring and get 2.0 this will lead to Chris Jericho now leaving the commentary table heading down to the ring with a steel chair in hand and Chris Jericho will slide into the ring holding the steel chair now you will see Dale Garcia run down to the ring get on the ring apron and grab the chair away from Jericho and Jericho will look at Garcia with a confused face asking him why are you doing this and you just see Dale Garcia say that you don't need the chair to do this. You don't need the chair. And this distraction would allow Brian Danielson to get up and hit Chris Jericho with the Paseco knee. And now you will see Dale Garcia having the oh no face, like what have I done? And then you see the camera flash back to Brian Danielson as he just has a smile on his face. So again, this is giving momentum into Jericho. Brian Danielson at all out their matchup, and is also putting again Dale Garcia in a real difficult. Uh, space. He wants to be loyal to Chris Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society, but he has a big uh, fandom for Brian Danielson. That is his idol, so he wants to see his mentor going as his idol in a fair one-on-one scrap match. Basically, the best person win without no cheating involved, but Jericho is going to cheat. He's going to do what he got to do, but we'll have to see what happens at All Out. Will Diego Garcia decide to rock with Brian or will he End up pulling the, the rules over everybody staying with Jericho. We'll have to see it all out. After this, we would see the wingmen in the ring. The wingmen consist of Ryan Nemeth, Peter Avalon, J.D. Drake, and, and Cesar Bononi. Uh, they have signs that say more wingmen on TV. This, basically, they're out here to try to say that they need to be on TV more. And this will all get interrupted by W. Morrissey. W. Morrissey is now in All Elite Wrestling. Uh, we haven't seen him since he... Went against Warlow uh, months ago, when Warlow was in the feud with MJF, but Morrissey's now here. Morrissey would come down to the ring and attack all the wingmen. He would brutalize all of them, and in the process, you would see Stokely Hathaway walk down to the ring, and he would hand W. Morrissey his business card. Morrissey would accept Stokely's business card, and you would see Morrissey and Stokely start walking up the ramp. Tony Schiavone would meet him at the entrance ramp and ask Stokely what's up with the business cards. Stokely would tell Tony to mind his business. Tony would say that this is a TV program, so this is his business. Stokely would grab Tony by the jacket, and Stokely would tell Tony it's none of his business. And then you see Morrissey standing behind Stokely looking at Tony Giovanni to add in the more presence of danger that Tony Schiavone's in. And Stokely will let go of Tony, and they walk to the back. So now Stokely has, in his arsenal, he has... Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty, uh, The Gun Club, and now W. Morrissey, as well as Jade and the Baddie. So, Stokely Hathaway is having a nice plethora of talent that he is surrounding himself with. I don't know what they're doing with this right now, but I like that he's forming a nice stable for himself. That he could break away from Jade when he wants to do, and just manage all the guys, or he's just making his own, like, Heenan family. But, we'll see what goes on with that later. Uh, after this, we get Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter with Rebel in their corner going against Hukaru Shida and Tony Storm. Sheeta would win the match for her team by pinfall when Tony Storm would hit Jamie Hayter with a tornado DDT on the outside of the ring, and Sheeta would hit a spinning kick to the head of Britt Baker for the win. So Sheeta and Tony Storm are going into All Out with momentum, and remember, it is a fatal four-way interim AEW Women's Championship matchup. So. We will have to see who's going to win out of this. Uh, Again, momentum's on the side of Sheeta and Storm. They shook hands, but they hesitated on shaking hands after the match because, again, their opponents had all out this upcoming uh, Sunday. So we'll see what happens with that. After this, we will get the music of CM Punk entering in the arena. I didn't think Punk was going to come out, but Punk will come out, and he will look like the kid that basically got his ball stolen from him by the bully and just now has to walk home. And that's basically what Punk looked like. He looked completely like the humble, the walk of shame, all this type of stuff. He would have this while the fans are still chanting for him. Punk would get in the ring and Punk would tell the story of when he destroyed his foot on June 1st. And on June 8th, he got surgery and he had to put 16 screws and two plates in his foot. Punk would say that when he came back to wrestling, he came back because of the fans and because of himself. And he talks about he might have came back a little bit early for this injury. And he knows that losing is a part of the game. But last week after he lost, he had to drive back home. And this time he started to question himself. He made it clear that his foot was cleared by the doctors. And he had x-rays to show that it's cleared. But this one just didn't feel right because he didn't feel 100% himself. Punk will say that sometimes in the wrestling business, you love the wrestling business, but sometimes the wrestling business doesn't love you. He says that he knows the people here in Chicago love him and he feels that he let them down. He points at his sister that's in the front row. He feels that he let them down, her down. And Punk will say that maybe he might have to step away from this thing called wrestling. Then his trainer and best friend, Ace Steel, will come out and Ace Steel would come to the ring and tell Punk that. He has been with Punk ever since he started training in wrestling. And Ace would say that he is proud of his own career, but he's most proud of Punk's career because Punk was able to carry himself and get to the upper echelon of the business. And he would say that they aren't friends, they're family, and family doesn't let somebody give up on their dreams like this. So he gives Punk more words of encouragement and he pulls the contract out of his pocket And he slaps Punk in the face and tells him that he's going to sign this contract and he's going to fight Moxley at All Out. And that slap would wake up the inner CM Punk and Punk would just snap out of this funk that he was in. And Punk would take the contract, go into the crowd. The crowd's just straight up just walking behind CM Punk, just straight up just following behind their fearless leader here. And Punk would say that at All Out, Moxley isn't going to be facing just him. He's going to be facing all of Chicago. And Punk will sign the contract and the match becomes official at All Out for the AEW World Championship is going to be Moxley going against CM Punk. After this, we will have a six-man trios match. It will be Warlow and FTR going against Silas Young, Ray Jones, and Vic Capri. Warlow will win the match by pinfall when FTR will hit the big rig on Vic. And then Warlow will hit two power bombs on Vic for the win. This was a squash match just basically just to let people know what it looks like for Warlow and FTR to be in the ring together and what Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns could possibly be facing at All Out. After this we would get Moxley walking down to the ring and he gets a mic and he says that if Punk wants to go out on his shield then that will happen. Moxley will say that he is going to display a show of glorious violence and expose a fake messiah and he's Talking about CM Punk here. So, again, this is Moxley just retort to what CM Punk said earlier about uh, All of Chicago going against Moxley at All Out. So, this is, again, just to pump that up. After this, we get a fatal four-way matchup with the Utah going against Phoenix, going against Roosh, going against Dante Martin. Uta would win the match by pinfall when he would get Dante in the seatbelt pin for the win. Again, I like that Yuda's using that seat pin the exact same pin that he learned from the best friends chuck taylor orange cassidy and trump so again this is playing more into yuta isn't winning by blackpool combat clubs like maneuvers he's winning with the best friends pin so that's going to play into a bigger part whenever best friends are going to go after the uh, blackpool combat club it's gonna happen and they're going to mention that because aew likes to play on to long storylines that builds up and it takes a wise person to really look at the integral uh, details. And this is one of them that's going to play a part later down the line. And also next week on Dynamite, it will be really you to go against Daniel Garcia for the pure championship. After this, it was time for the main event of Dynamite, the semifinals of the trio championship tournament, the elite, which is Kenny Omega and the young bucks going against the United Empire, which is Will Ospreay and Aussie open. Kenny Omega would win the match for his team by pinfall when Kenny would hit Kyle Fletcher with the V-trigger, then the one Wing Angel for the win. You knew what we were here for. Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, they went at it as soon as the bell rang. Those were the first two guys. They went head first for each other, kicking, punching each other, and they were building off of the online animosity that Will Ospreay has been throwing shade at Kenny. Kenny's been throwing shade at Will Ospreay. From last week at their, the end of Dynamite, Kenny having some words to say about Osprey, And this was basically everybody's whole main match for the week. What were you we going to see from Kenny and Will? I can't even do it justice by telling you everything. I want you guys to really go back to Dynamite this week. I don't care how you find it. Go and watch United Empire go against the Elite. That is literally one of the greatest uh, trios matches that you will see because, again... You're playing into the online animosity between Will Ospreay and Kenny. You get the Young Bucks, who are one of the best tag teams out here in the world right now. You get Ozzy Open, who's out here to show everybody who they truly are, if you don't know who they are. And again, this gives you all just an excellent performance of six guys that actually work together, and they know how professional wrestling is supposed to be performed, at least in this modern era. So I will please... Oblige you, please go back. I don't care how you find it, watch the semifinals, uh, the Elite versus United Empire, and you won't be disappointed. Now, here's something to note about it after the match, uh, after Kenny wins the match for the team, you see Will Ospreay sitting on the entrance ramp like John Cena did when he lost to jo- uh, The Rock at WrestleMania 28. He's sitting there with his knees close to him and he looks sad and the camera just keeps on flashing back at Kenny then back at Will. So this is building up for a match that they're probably going to have at Russell Kingdom at uh, January 4th. We don't know that. It hasn't been announced but with AEW having a partnership with New Japan, you can see that coming to fruition and that's what everybody's going to be hoping for. But after Dynamite went off air a fan was able to continue recording on their phone and it was on Twitter and you see United Empire just attacking the elite. They lay them out. You see uh Aussie Open hit their tag finish on Matt Jackson on a steel chair. You would then see Will Ospreay grab Nick Jackson and hit the Stormbreaker on a steel chair on Nick Jackson. And then you see the Aussie Open holding Kenny's arms open and then you see Will Ospreay hitting the Hidden Blade, which is a running forearm directly to the face on Kenny Omega and the United Empire leave the Elite laying out and that's after Dynamite goes off air so anybody that was in the arena or anybody that watched that footage online will see that the United Empire left the Elite laying out so again we're building towards a match a one-on-one match for Kenny and Will Ospreay will have it in Wrestle Kingdom that's where everybody thinks it might happen will happen in AEW maybe but if you were to be a betting man, you probably would say Russell Kingdom because this would be New Japan's, like, uh, big resurgence for them in, like, attendance-wise, if they can get Kenny Omega back over there. But I'll get into that if it ever does happen. But that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the week. Now, on to Impact Wrestling, here's the thing to note. Speaking of United Empire, Aussie Open would show up on... Impact and they will be doing a backstage interview and they're here in Impact to announce that they are here for world domination. They're here for the Impact Tag Team Championships and they will have a match against Chris Bay and Ace Austin next week. So Aussie Open are in impact wrestling. Now onto the show. Impact Wrestling will open up with the Impact Tag Team Championship matchup of the Good Brothers going against Honor Moore's Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. Matt Taven would win the match for his team by pinfall when Taven and Bennett will hit Carl Anderson with the proton pack, which is a running kick to the head and a backpack stunner combo for the win. So Matt Taven and Mike Bennett are your new impact tag team champions. And after this, we will get an X division championship matchup of the champion speedball, Mike Bailey going against Kenny King, who had Maria Canellis in his corner. Kenny King would win the match by pinfall at first, when the match was happening, Kenny would accidentally kick the referee in the head, wiping the referee out. This would lead to another referee getting into the match. Mike Bailey would go for a pin, but Kenny King would reverse it. And as he reversed it and the referees making the count, Kenny would hold the hands of Maria Canellis And the referee wouldn't see this, and Kenny would get the win. And as Kenny King is celebrating with honorable no more, Holding the X Division Championship, and now Honor No More thinks they're gaining momentum because now they just won the tag team titles and now the X Division Championship. The original ref would get up and walk to the second ref and tell the second ref exactly what happened about Kenny King holding Maria's hands. And now, with that information, it's told that the referee has decided that this match will continue and. Honor no more will be barred from ringside. So now we get a continuation of Mike Bailey going against Kenny King and Mike Bailey would win the match by pinfall when Mike Bailey would hit the ultimate weapon on Kenny King for the win. So Mike Bailey is still your division champion and honor no more only has the tag team championships in their possessions. After this, we would get Mickey James coming down to the ring. Mickey would thanks the fans for her support. Mickey would thank impact for being the place that gave her, a chance when she was Alexa Laray, that was her first ring name. Mickey would say that she is grateful for being a four time knockouts champion. Mickey would then go on into what she has been going through these last few months from her losing the knockouts championship to Tasha Steele's to having someone that she looked out for turn on her, which is Chelsea Green, to her feeling that she can't hang with the talent in the back. So now Mickey feels that she has to prove herself, and she lets everybody know that she isn't going to retire, but she is focusing her sights back on the knockout championship, and she doesn't want a handout. She wants to grind her way to getting back a shot at the knockouts championship, so Mickey will issue an open challenge to anyone, whether it's somebody on the bottom of the totem pole to someone at the tippity-top, the highest mountain point. Mickey will say that there's a catch to this. As she's on her grind to try to get back To facing the knockout champion, if she loses any match in the grind to trying to get back the knockout championship, or if she loses in the knockout championship match, then she is officially retired. So Mickey James is on a clock. She doesn't know when it's going to end. She doesn't know if it's going to be a long journey. whether it's going to be a short journey. She just knows it's going to be a hell of a journey, and she wants the fans to take this ride with her. So. Anytime you see a Mickie James match, you do have the, well, expectation and knowledge that this might be her last match. So if you're a big Mickie James fan, you probably might want to tune into Impact to be watching her matches to see, okay, is this going to be the one where she retires or is she going to continue on her journey? After this, we will get Alex Zane going against Mascara Dorada, the formerly uh, Grand Mental League of WWE. Mascara would win the match by pinfall when you hit the Dorada driver, which is a Samoan driver for the win. And Mascara is now the new number one contender for the X division championship. They did not announce that during the match. They announced it like after the match. So it caught me off guard, but seeing uh, Dorada on impact is a good feel because again, you get to see high flyers on impact. It's never ever a bad thing. The X division championship needs high flyers. That's what they were built upon. So, speedball, Mike Bailey going against uh, Dorada is going to be a good match. I know that for a fact. After this, we get the main event of Impact, the number one contender's championship match for the knockouts championship. It would be Deanna Peraza with Chelsea Green in her corner going against Masha Slamovich. The winner will be facing Jordan Grace at Bound for Glory for the knockouts championship. Masha would win the match by pinfall when Deanna would hit the Queen's Gambit, which is a cradle pile driver. And cover Masha, but Masha would kick out. And now Masha would turn into Masha the destroyer. So now Masha looks at Deanna, hits her with a spinning back fist. Then you see her grab Deanna and try to hit the snow plow. But Chelsea Green would get on the ring apron. Masha would kick Chelsea off the ring apron and then go back to hitting the snow plow on Deanna Perazzo. They cover her for the win. This was a good match back and forth between Deanna Peraza and Masha Slamovich before Masha turned into the destroyer. And also, Deanna Peraza was able to get a lot of offense on uh, Masha Slamovich. As a matter of fact, this was a legit competitive competition between Masha Slamovich and Deanna Peraza. This wasn't just one of Masha's like, okay, you're my opponent, I'm going to run you over, destroy you type of thing. No, you actually had a legit thing, like a match between those two, and you actually thought Masha would lose from time to time because Chelsea would try to help out her best friend, Deanna, from time to time in the match. But in the end, Masha Slamovich wins the match. After the match, Jordan Grace would walk to the ring holding the knockouts championship and a black folder. Once Jordan would get in the ring, she would hand Masha the black folder, and Masha would open the folder up and see her own 8x10 with a red X on it, which is Masha's trademark that she gives to all of her opponents that she's gunning for, which she calls the death warrant. So. Jordan Grace does this back to Masha Slamovich. Masha sees the death warrant. She smiles at Jordan. And then you just see those both women just getting to each other's face. And Jordan holds up the knockout championship in the air. So this is solidifying their match that they're going to have at Bound for Glory. And that's how Impact goes off the air. What I did not tell you guys about Impact as well is this is just something personal too. Uh, it was announced this week that Joe Doring will be stepping away from wrestling for the time being because Joe Doring has brain cancer. This is the second time dealing with brain cancer, so he has to step aside. And on this episode of Impact, you will see a backstage moment where Eric Young and Diener are with Joe, and they don't allude to Joe having brain cancer, but they say that Joe Doring has his own path to go that he has to go on right now, and they. ...are sure that they'll meet with him again... ...and then you see Dorian give Eric... ...and Diener a fist bound... ...and you see Dorian walk away... ...and then you see Eric... ...say that he has his own path to walk... ...and Diener asks Eric... ...are you leaving me? And Eric looks at Diener and says... ...I am walking my own path now... ...it's up to you if you want to follow me or not... ...so now we don't know if... Violet by Design is still together... with Diener and Eric still being together... ...or Diener's going to go his own path... But we do know that Joe Doring is stepping away from uh, impact. He's stepping away from wrestling. And I want Joe Doring to please get himself together. The wrestling world is rooting for him. And everybody knows that he can't beat brain cancer because he did it once. And everybody's wishing for him to beat brain cancer again. So, Joe Doring, please get your uh, head right. Please beat cancer. And wrestling and wrestling fans are all uh, rooting for you. So that is your Impact Wrestling wrestling highlights of the week. Now off to SmackDown. SmackDown is the night of Roman Reigns. This is the two-year celebration of Roman Reigns being champion. And throughout the night, there will be videos showcasing Roman Reigns' championship ring for the last two years. They'll break it down to four parts, and Paul Heyman narrates all four videos also throughout the night we will see Sami Zayn backstage trying to make sure everything is right for roman's in-ring celebration that will happen later in the night and you will see the usos pop in on sammy you see jay give sammy another hard time he even asks him and questions sammy's loyalty after not helping him against kevin owens on monday night raw but sammy will try to tell jimmy to tell jay that he's trying his hardest and jimmy would just Tell Jay, okay, man, let Sammy handle this. He got it all in control. So we will see how Roman's celebration of his two years will go later in the night. After this, we would go to our first match of the night, which is a Viking rules match, which is basically a no uh, holes barred false count anywhere, anything-goes match with Vikings uh, weapons surrounded around the ring. There were a lot of wooden shields, and there was a half-mock of a Vikings long ship, like the headpiece next to the uh ring and that would play a important role once the end of the match would happen because at the end you will have woods and ivar fighting each other on the ship and you will have two stacked tables stacked upon each other uh you will see the viking raiders lift up woods and hit them with ragnarok which is now the new finish finisher which is a double powerbomb through the tables on the outside of the ring and they cover him for the win so the viking raiders would win the viking rules match uh again viking raiders getting a nice push and it's a good thing because they have been on a downward slump for a good amount of time that they've been on the main roster and i've said this constantly the new day losing to the viking raiders is not going to do nothing bad to the new day if anything it's just going to make them stronger because we're trying to see where biggie is at where biggie is basically going to fit in with all this because I think WWE's is thinking of, okay, is Big E going to come back? What are we doing with the New Day at this moment of time? Because the New Day is always going to be over. The fans are always going to love New Day. You could put New Day in anything. They always make something work. So right now, them losing to the Viking Raiders is not a bad thing. Viking Raiders, they need this win over a credible tag team like the New Day to Catapult them into something bigger so again the New Day losing to the Viking Raiders is not a bad thing the Viking Raiders winning is the best outcome that we could have gotten out of this whole rivalry to be honest with you after this we get the in-ring debut of Karrion Cross with Scarlett this time this is WWE's uh reintroduction of Karrion Cross, and we get to do it the right way on the Triple H's creative mind and Karrion Cross will be going against Drew Gulak. This was a squash match. Again, a squash match for anybody that don't know is basically when a lower level talent on the card goes against a guy that they are making sure that you understand he's a destroyer and he's not one to be messed around with. And that's the rule of Karrion Cross here. Cross would defeat Drew Gulak easily by submission when you would hit the Doomsday Suplex, which is a Saito Suplex or a backdrop suplex in layman's terms and then lock in the cross jacket, which is the Coquina clutch on drew and drew would tap out. So again, we're building up cross as another threat, as a guy that could potentially go after the universal championship, which he more or less will be. But, uh, we know that he does have a strong, like lock in on the championship. We just don't know if he's going to go after Roman or drew. We'll have to find out who he does go against after Clash of the Castle. After this, we get Ronda Rousey coming out for an in-ring promo. Ronda would come out, and she has a letter in her hand, and she says that this letter comes from the WWE headquarters, and she wanted Adam Pearce to come down to read it. Pearce would come down and tell Ronda that whatever management has chosen for her is not personal. Pearce would then read the letter, and the gist of the letter would state that Ronda's actions have been unprofessional and not of a WWE superstar. However, they are not criminal actions, and she should not have been arrested two weeks ago. As of effective immediately, Ronda Rousey has been reinstated as an active competitor. After Pierce would read the letter, Ronda would get happy at the news and start poking and prodding at Pierce, to the point that Pierce would basically unload on Ronda Rousey in the middle of the ring with his words, not by actions. You think this is funny? You think what I come out here and do every week is easy? Is that what
1: you think? Who do you think it is, Rhonda? 52 weeks a year, not once a week, twice a week, not one show, two shows, not one network, two networks. Who gets the show on the air? Who gets the show off the air? Who babysits people like you and who never once is told thank you? You think anybody ever said to me, hey, Adam, thanks a lot. Great job. You think anybody ever said, hey, Adam, how's your day going? Huh? How's your kids out? Hell no. Nobody says that to me. All I get from people like you is you shut up for a second. All I get. week and i'm proud i'm damn proud of the job i do but i'm not proud of busting my ass for people that are ungrateful undermining and criticizing and as for your question about the board of directors i got no problem with the board of directors or their decision i got a problem with you these people call you the baddest woman on the planet you know
0: what i call you Rhonda? Ronda Rousey, I call you the single biggest bitch I've ever met. Now, you know what happens next with Adam Pearce signing his own death warrant by his own words. Ronda Rousey would decide to uh get at Pearce. She would get at him physically, not with her words. She would drop the mic, slam Pearce down to the mat, then lock in an arm bar. And she would apply pressure to it and pressure to it and then let go. And you would see Adam Pearce go off to the corner holding his arm as Ronda just smiles and walks out of the ring. On the commentary table, you would hear Michael Cole say that, well, Ronda Rousey is back to be an active competitor, but we don't know what's going to happen to her now because she did, well, strike a official. So we will have to see if she's going to be fined again or she will probably be suspended. We have no idea. We'll have to see what happens next week. After this, we will get a tag team matchup of Hit Row, which is represented by Top Dalla and Ashanti the Adonis with b in their corner, going against maximum male models, Marseille and Mansois, with Max and Maxine Dupree in their corner. Hit Row would win the match by pinfall when they hit their tag team finisher, uh, Heavy Hitter, which is a backdrop dropkick suplex, for the win. After the match, Los Lotharios would get in the ring and attack Hit Row, and maximum male models would help beat up on Hit Row. So now it's a four-on-two beatdown until the Street Profits will come to the aid of Hit Row. And the Street Profits and Hit Row wouldn't make Maximum Male Models and Los Lotharios leave and leave up the ramp. So we could probably see next week on SmackDown probably an 8-person or 8-man tag of Maximum Male Models and Los Lotharios going against the Street Profits and Hit Row. That's just my quick thought of a thinking. After this, we will have Happy Corbin coming out to issue an open challenge because he's on a downward slump. And he feels that this is his week that he can... Uh, come back from that, and Shinsuke Nakamura will answer the challenge, Nakamura would win the match by pinfall, and Nakamura will hit Corbin with the Kinshasa for the win, and after the match, again, Pat McAfee is still clowning Corbin, Corbin is still feeling down on his luck, and we will see Corbin walk to the back, and later we will see Corbin go to the outside of the arena, and we see a white limousine pull up to him, and on the front of the limousine, it had bull's horns on it, so it only could be one WWE legend that has this, and it's JBL. We don't see JBL exit out of the limo, but we do hear his voice whenever you see Corbin walk up to the back of the limo, and you see the limo's uh, window light come down and tell Corbin to get in. So it seems to me that JBL is going to be probably managing Corbin, in the future, and I'm personally cool with that, because JBL, as a heel, as a bad guy, was one of the greatest bad guys, a guy that I personally hated when he was WWE champion back in 2005. So, no, 2004, late 2004. Yeah, late 2004 going to 2005. So, again, JBL as WWE uh, manager to Corbin, I I like the chemistry. I like the thinking. After this, we would get Butch, with Ridge, Holland, and Sheamus in the next corner going against Ludwig Kaiser, who had Gunther in his corner, and Butch came out in his old Pete Dunne uh, ring gear. He's not wearing the stupid, like, shirts and the straps and all that crap that Butch and Sheamus and all of them would be wearing as, like, their entrance attire. Oh, no. He's actually out here in his Pete Dunn gear. Uh, Butch would win the match by pinfall when he would snap the finger of Ludwig and then hit the bitter end for the win. After the match, Gunther would get in the ring and call out Sheamus. Sheamus would have Butch and Ridge leave the ring, and Sheamus would take off his jacket and his hat. And it looks like we're about to have a fight between both the men. But Ludwig would get in the ring, tell Gunther now isn't the time, and Ludwig would get Gunther out of the ring. So again, we're saving that match for Clash at the Castle. And again, I think that's going to be the match of the night. After this, it's time for the main thing: Roman Reigns. Championship celebration. You have the Usos and Sammy out in the middle of the ring. Sammy would try to host the event, but Jay would just cut him right off and take over. Sammy and the Usos would introduce Roman, and then we would see a video of Roman car into the arena. Roman would step out of the vehicle, take a couple steps, and then we would see him get kicked in the face. We see the camera pan over, and we see that the man that kicked Roman was Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre would then make his way to the ring, and he would absolutely destroy the Usos and Sami Zayn. He would put Jimmy Uso through a commentary table. He would hit Sami Zayn with a claymore when Sami had chair up, so he basically kicked the chair into Sami's face. And then he would spear Jay through the barricade, but before he did that, he would do the signature howl that Roman Reigns would do before he speared somebody. So that was adding more insult to injury. After this, we will see Drew get on the mic and say that he destroyed the bloodline in that Clash of the Castle. He's going to destroy Roman Reigns and become the new Undisputed Universal Champion. So, that is what ended SmackDown. So, it ends with Drew getting the big up on the bloodline after being decimated by them last week. And again, this is giving Drew some momentum going into his match with Roman at Clash of the Castle. And again, I will be giving my predictions after I talk about AEW Rampage, and Rampage will open up with a semifinals uh, match of the trio's championship tournament with the best friends, which consists of Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Perretta going against the Dark Orders, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and now Hangman Page because... Uh, Number 10 got injured, and Uno, he got beat up by Andrade on AEW Dynamite, so they needed one more person, and Hangman stepped in. Uh, John Silver wouldn't win the match for his team by pinfall when Hangman would look to hit Chuck Taylor with the buckshot lariat, but Chuck Taylor would duck, and then you would see Orange Cassidy get in the ring and hit Hangman with the orange punch. Chuck Taylor would then clothesline Hangman out of the ring, and this distraction would allow John Silver to roll up Chuck Taylor for the win. So, at All Out, we w- in the finals, we will get the Elite, which is the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, going against the Dark Order and Hangman Page. After this, we have Ray Phoenix going against Blake Christian. Ray Phoenix would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the Fire Thunder driver for the win. After this, we would get Sammy Guevara and Ty Melo going against Ruby Soho and Ortiz. Ruby would win the match for her team by pinfall when Ruby would roll up Ty for the win, and after the match, it was announced that at the buy-in of All Out, which is basically AEW's pre-show of their pay-per-views, Ty and Sammy would defend their AAA mixed tag team championships against Ruby, Soho, and Ortiz. After this, we would get FTR and Warlow coming out for an in-ring promo, and Dax will come out and basically... Talk to the critics about why this match is happening he says this match is important to him because he knows his best days are behind him so now he has to look forward towards the future and he only has a couple more matches because his legacy is depending on these matches so you would get Dax about to go into this personal speech by saying that uh he only has three things in his life to care that he cares about and before you can list those three things you will see Sanjay Dutt Saddam Singh, Jay Lethal, and the Motor City Machine Guns ruin the moment by coming out on the stage, and Chris Saban will formally introduce himself to FTR, Warlow, and the AEW roster, well, the crowd, by introducing himself and Alex Shelley, telling them that they're the Motor City Machine Guns, they are the most influential tag team of this past generation, and that everybody's favorite tag teams have basically been looking up to them, and... They're basically the men of this generation. Uh, Alex Shelley would say that they're the best. Uh, they would give credit to FDR by saying, you guys, by looking at you, you guys are the best tag team right now because you guys got are walking around with so much gold. But we have the respect and admiration of your locker room because when we come in here, they all stand at attention basically because they're the best. Uh, Sanjay would get on the mic and he would basically try to pester Dax by throwing a, like, jab towards Dax because Dax is a family man. He would say that, uh, Dax is going to try to fight, like, an eight-year-old brat, and he's referring to Dax's eight-year-old daughter that he made a nice, uh, sentimental speech about a month ago, and Dax would try to get out of the ring, try to go up there to fight, uh, Sanjay, but Warlow and Uh, cash would hold dax back so again we're adding momentum to the six-man tag match i don't think this promo should have been on rampage i think they should have been on dynamite but again tony khan's project tony khan's thing he's the one that's putting money behind it and i'm just a watcher now it's time for the main event qt marshall going against ricky starks ricky Starks would win the match by pinfall when you hit the rochambeau on qt marshall for the win After the match, Powerhouse Hobbs would come down to the ring, and we would have a fight between Hobbs and Ricky Starks. We would see many referees come down from the back to get into the ring to break up the fight between these two men, and that's how Rampage would go off, with Powerhouse and Ricky just basically being broke up by the referees. And that is your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, it's time for me to give you the predictions for Clash of the Castle, NXT's Worlds Collide, and AEW's All Out. First off, Clash of the Castle. We will have the tag team matchup of Edge and Ray going against the Judgment Day. I have the Judgment Day winning, and I think Dominic's going to pull Ray off the ring apron, or he's going to do something to Edge, because I don't think Dominic likes being left in the shadow when it should have been him and his father going against the Judgment Day. So Judgment Day ha- are going to win this Gunther versus Sheamus for the Intercontinental Championship. At first, I thought it was going to be Sheamus, but then after thinking about it, I'm going with Gunther here. Gunther is going to win because we're going to build up again. I think we're building up to the Bobby Lashley going against Gunther at Survivor Series. I mean, it'll be a nice moment for Sheamus to win this, to become like their first ever like Mega Grand Slam champion. But I don't think that we're going to just cut Gunther's legs off just because we want to give Sheamus this nice good moment. I think that Gunther's going to retain his Intercontinental Championship. Matt Riddle going against Seth Rollins. I think Matt Riddle's gonna get the win on here because Riddle's constantly getting beat down by Rollins every single time they had a confrontation with each other. So I think this will be Riddle's time for him to get the come up on Seth. Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka going against Bailey, Dakota, and EO. I think Bailey, Dakota, and EO are going to win this match. This will be Bailey's like legitimate first match in front of a crowd that is literally like wanting to see her against other people. I mean her against Aaliyah was a nice like little tune up for Bailey, but this would be Bailey's like legit like, okay, I'm back in deep waters. I'm back actually in the mix of where I belong, the main event stature with the women. And I think Bailey's team is going to win because of that feeling. And also Dakota and EO just lost the finals of the tag team championship tournament. So I think they need something to come back and bounce back from. So Bayley, Dakota, and EO are going to win this. Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baylor, SmackDown Women's Championship. I believe that Liv Morgan still should win. I think they're going to continue this Liv Morgan experiment, an experiment that I was personally happy with them trying because they've constantly been trying to get Liv to the point that, yo, we need to put the belt on her. The fans have been rallying behind her for so long, but once that SummerSlam crap happened with her tapping out before the referee pinning Rhonda's shoulders down to the three. I believe that this has completely derailed Liv Morgan off the beaten path of where she should have been the right way. Now, with her being booed and the crowd wants Shayna to win the championship because, again, they want to see this unstoppable force that Shayna was when in NXT that we thought we were going to get on the main roster. I believe that we're still going to get Liv Morgan here. I think that it's probably time for us to kind of like pull the trigger on Liv Morgan, probably to turn a uh, Bad guy here. I understand she gets cheered by certain people. I understand that, but this is not the John Cena situation here. It's not that at all. Everybody that gets cheered and no, everybody that gets booed and still gets a little bit of cheer cannot always stay on the side of righteousness unless they face like the big bad. And right now, they don't got a big bad for Liv Morgan to really go against. Liv Morgan is just constantly being booed out of places. So, again, and it's not because they're booing her. They're booing WWE creative for what they did to her. So, I believe they just need to, like, switch the plan up and Liv Morgan's going to win, but by some uh, evil tactics, by having her feet on the rope or something like that. That's the one way I can see Liv, like, winning this match. But Liv's winning. Now for the main event. Roman Reigns going against Drew McIntyre for the Universal Undisputed Championship and you know what? Give Drew the win. Give Drew the win. I understand we probably still want Roman to do something with somebody else, but Drew got to win this. We are going to give Drew his WrestleMania moment, but not really Mania because this is not Mania, but this will feel like a WrestleMania moment because we're overseas. We're in Cardiff. We're in Drew's backyard with all his people that saw him from uh, early teenager to him starting his career. To then be, The people seeing him being sent off to go off to WWE and all this good stuff. So I think Drew winning at Cardiff will be the icing on the cake and it will make up for him winning the championship during the pandemic in front of no fans. Him losing to Bobby Lashley last year at WrestleMania and him going against uh, Corbin this year at Mania. I think that this moment right here would really pay penance for all those things that Drew had to endure these literal past three years. So... Again, we'll have to see how that works, but I think that Drew should win. But that is my results or my predictions for Clash of the Castle. Now on to NXT's Worlds Collide. Nathan Frazier versus Axiom in a Best of Threes Falls matchup. Uh, I see it going to Nathan Frazier. They haven't done much with Axiom on television, but I can see them wanting to do something with Nathan Frazier. So Nathan Frazier is going to win this. Carmelo Hayes going against Ricochet for the North American Championship. Carmelo Hayes is winning this. This is going to be a highlight reel matchup for Carmelo Hayes. Ricochet is the human highlight reel of WWE. As a matter of fact, Ricochet is the human highlight reel of just professional wrestling. So he's going to give Carmelo a nice like, highlight reel match for anybody to just make highlights out of. And him, Melo's going to really keep up with the pace of Ricochet. But in the end, Melo is going to retain the North American Championship. Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Elimination Matchup for the Unify NXT Tag Team Championships. The Creed Brothers going against Brooks and Jensen. Josh Briggs going against Gallus, going against Pretty Deadly. I have Gallus winning this. Gallus just got onto the radar of NXT. I believe that this is going to be the match that we're going to have some foreigners Coming over and winning championship gold. I believe this is the only foreigners is actually going to win championship gold here tonight. I don't believe no other people from the NXT UK roster is going to win gold. So if we're going to have any NXT UK roster group in this tag team or in this whole match card win championship gold, I'm putting money on Gallus. Uh, NXT Women's Tag Team Championship matchup: Katana Chance and Kaden Carter going against Do Drop and Nikki Ash. Katana and Kaden are going to retain the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. This is just a drop in the bucket for Dewdrop and Nikki to come down here and, again, give Katana and Kaden a nice matchup for them to have on their resume. Triple Threat Match to unify the NXT Women's Championships. Mandy Rose going against Miko Satomura, going against Blair Davenport. I have Mandy Rose winning this to continue on with her reign as champion. And if anything, I believe probably Blair is going to take the Pin for this. And now for the main event, the unify the NXT championships. Tyler Bate going against Braun Breaker. I have Braun Breaker winning this. Again, Braun Breaker is the man that they are putting their whole chips behind in the basket. And Braun Breaker is going to be that guy until we have Braun Breaker going against Carmelo Hayes. That's where I think we're leading up to. Carmelo going against Braun Breaker. So for me, I have Braun Breaker winning this. And that's just my predictions for NXT's Worlds Collide. Now, off to AEW's All Out. We have Brian Danielson going against Chris Jericho. Brian Danielson might win this. If it was up to me, I'll say Brian Danielson because Chris Jericho really doesn't need this. Brian Danielson has been eating some losses. Uh, he lost to Deo Garcia, then he picked that one back up in the two out of three falls match. He had a good match with Jake Hager. I think some type of hiccup by Deo Garcia is going to have Brian Danielson win the matchup, but that's just me. Fatal four-way for the interim AEW Women's Championship. Tony Storm, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Carl Shida. I have Tony Storm winning this, so we can get the Tony Storm going against Thunder Rosa matchup that we were supposed to get at all out. And whenever that match happens, I see Tony Storm going to turn as a bad guy and beat up on Thunder Rosa. That's I believe where we are leading up to. So for this, I see Tony Storm winning the interim women's championship. House of Black. Uh, Malachi Black, Barody King, and Buddy Matthews going against Darby, Sting, and Miro. Six-man tag. Darby, Sting, and Miro. Sting is going to end this. Sting doesn't lose that much in his matches whenever he's in a match. And also, House of Black is probably going to put a beating on Darby and put a beating on Miro and beat up on Sting a little bit, but ultimately, in the end, Sting's going to find a way to beat up on House of Black with Darby and Miro. Jay Cargo versus Athena. TBS Championship matchup. Uh... You know what? Since Chris Statlander is going to be out, and Chris Statlander is going to be out for about 6-8 to eight months, Athena beating Jade to win the TBS championship wouldn't be a bad thing here, and we need a shock factor of the night. So, give this uh, win to Athena. Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage. Uh, give it to Jungle Boy so we can f- continue on that feud with Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. Warlow and FTR going against Jay Lee throwing the Motor City Machine Guns. Warlow and FTR is going to win this. Uh, FTR is more or less going to be leading up to an FTR going against a Mortar City Machine Gun style matchup. Just those two teams. I know that was one of the teams that FTR wanted to face when they did get released from WWE and they have the chance to do this now. But I feel that this is going to just be a setup for that eventual tag team versus tag team matchup. So Warlow FTR picking up the win. The casino ladder match. Claudio, Wheeler Uta, Penta, Phoenix, Roosh, Andrade and Dante Martin, and the mystery man. Uh, I have the mystery person winning, because when they have a mystery person, usually in these casino ladder matches, they always, like, win the ladder match. I don't know who was going to be. If it was my best guess, probably Samoa Joe. We haven't seen Samoa Joe on AEW television in a long time. The last time we saw him anywhere in any, like, AEW business was the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view, and that was... God, death before dishonor so again we'll have to see if Samoa Joe would be the guy but if it was me i have Samoa Joe literally being the guy to win this ladder match and be the Joker tag team matchup for the AEW world tag team championship swerve and our glory going against the acclaim uh, swerve and our glory is going to win this I don't see them losing to the acclaim yet uh, swerve and our glory just got technically got started as tag team champions I want to see how far we can ride this out before we do have them lose to somebody else. And they could lose to the acclaim, but just not right now. Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse. Uh, you know what? Give it a powerhouse. Ricky Starks could win this at Arthur Ashe. when we do a rematch with uh Ricky versus Powerhouse, but right now, give it a powerhouse. Powerhouse needs something to be a bigger threat to other individuals. Ricky Starks, he has the look, he has the charisma, the fans love him. This isn't going to hurt Ricky Starks if he loses against Powerhouse. It's not going to hurt him in the slightest. The finals for the AEW World Trios Championship, the Elite going against Hangman and Alex Reynolds and John Silver. This is the Dark Order and Hangman's time. I understand we want to give it to the Elite. Tony Khan waited until Kenny came back to start this tournament. I understand where everybody thinks they're going with this. I think Hangman and Dark Order are going to win because, again, all Elite Wrestling is literally focused around the elite and the elite still includes hangman page so hangman page and dark order winning this will give some shine onto the dark order because the dark order has been around aw for the longest and they need to have some gold in their stable and this will be the first gold i believe that they've ever had in their stable so them winning the Trios championship here would be a nice like putting a bow on the dark order it'll be a nice thing for them Now it's time for the main event. John Moxley going against CM Punk for the AEW World Championship. We're in Chicago. We can do a rubber match if Punk wins. But do we give Punk the win in Chicago? That's the question here. For me, I would say we give it to Punk, but Punk has to do something dick dastardly to do it. To make everybody else in the whole world hate him, but Chicago's still going to love him because that's their guy. But everybody else watching at home probably going to be like, oh my god, CM Punk is back to being a bad guy here. So do we give it to Punk? I say yes, but he has to do it by nefarious means or even by probably by Ace Steel coming out to help out his best friend beat Jon Moxley. That's the way I would do it, but that's just me. So my uh, prediction is CM Punk beating Jon Moxley. Now with that all being said, I hope you guys have a nice Saturday uh i hope you guys watch uh clash of the castle if you have a peacock you can watch it there if you don't go get peacock it's only like what five dollars a month or something like that but if you do you do you don't you don't i uh, will give you a review of the show tomorrow on sunday as well as my sunday episode and you will be getting a review of worlds collide and all out on the monday so you can look forward to that too so with that I hope you guys have a great saturday I hope you guys have a great memorial well not memorial labor day weekend and just be safe be careful on the road i do love you all i want you guys to be safe and, uh, careful and i hope you guys listen to my sunday episode if not you can listen to the other reviews that i will be giving to you on sunday and monday but with that This has been Wrestling Highlights of of the Week presented by My Two Cents Podcast hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you all. And Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh Jesus wet.